0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. We're going to catch up with Carnival Corporation CEO Arnold Donald today. Talk about the return to cruising plans, the relationship they currently have with the CDC, and some other questions regarding the cruise industry shutdown. Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News and to answer a listener question. And as always, don't forget about Cruise Radio News, daily quick hits of the news, uh, seven days a week, actually. And uh, it's found opposite of this channel. You can find that by searching Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Another round of cancellations.
2: Yes, so on Wednesday morning, the Cruise Lines International Association announced that their member cruise lines have suspended all cruise departures through the month of October. This includes the big three that sail from U.S. ports, Royal Caribbean Group, Carnival Corporation, and Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. Also on the list for North America departures is MSC Cruises. CLIA addressed the possibility that if conditions in the U.S. should improve, it might be possible to resume cruises sooner if the cruise lines would consider shorter and modified sailings. And we should note that four cruise lines that aggressively pursued an early restart have been forced to either discontinue for the rest of the year or adopt a wait-and-see attitude these include on cruise adventures in Alaska, Hurtigruten's Roald Amundsen in Norway, Dream Yacht Club Dream 1 also cruising in Norway, as well as Paul Gauguin in the South Pacific.
1: And MSC Cruises has outlined their return to service and some pretty notable standouts here.
2: Yeah, so MSC Cruises hopes to offer Mediterranean cruises sometime in late summer aboard two ships, the MSC Grandiosa and MSC Magnifica. The cruise line plans to operate seven-night cruises with the MSC Grandiosa sailing the Western Med and then send MSC Magnifica to cruise the eastern Mediterranean. MSC Cruises announced an array of health and safety plans to implement aboard these two ships. These measures would begin at check-in and include a quick result swab test, temperature check, and a health questionnaire. Social distancing and or mask wearing will be needed in the more crowded areas of the ship and daily temperature checks will be offered. In port, no one will be allowed to wander on their own and will be required to use only MSC-sponsored shore excursions. Youth programs will run at limited capacity. Buffets will be plated by staff and restaurant ordering will be done on passengers' smartphones. However, departure dates and itineraries are still undetermined and only European passengers from any of the 26 Schengen countries will be allowed to board.
1: Only being allowed to use cruise line shore excursions, revenue play or safety?
2: Well, I thought revenue first, mm-hmm. but you know they, they want to control, control where people go and I'm yeah. sure the ports would rather have people kept in a sequestered group than, you know, meandering about here and there, you know, it's, it's, it's both.
1: This next story is interesting because a cruise line basically gave passengers loyalty points only to pull them like a couple of months later.
2: Yeah. Talk about uh, a, a big blunder. So despite the required canceled sailings due to suspended service, Norwegian cruise lines accidentally issued Latitude's reward points to their loyalty club members. Latitude points are are posted to members' accounts 48 hours following a cruise, but certainly not posted um, when when service is suspended. So in this about-face, the cruise line soon realize their mistake, and they will be reclaiming their reward points given out by accident when the cruise line canceled their cruises. This was,
1: uh, people were on both sides of the fence here because of course you have the folks who have worked their butts off for their loyalty and spent a lot of money to get to their level. And then you have the people saying, Hey, they shouldn't take away what they gave us. I'm just curious. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, as a latitude member, (laughs) I would sure appreciate reward points. Um, you know, if I didn't, but no, I think, I think that, well, you know, it reminds me of stuff that Carnival did. And they and and Royal Caribbean, and, you know, wasn't the reward points, but it was something that they gave out by accident. Mm-hmm. And the they said, package. okay, well, we gave it out. It's a mistake. We'll let it settle. Um, you know, Norwegian cruise lines could go the extra yard, the extra mile, and just leave the points there and just chalk it up. I mean, it's not going to cost them a whole lot of money at this point to leave the points there. Probably more... But it'll be more costly for the for the um, people power that it takes to pull the points out yeah. than it would be just to leave it alone.
1: And finally, Carnival Corporation said, we are not selling.
2: Yeah, so it didn't take long for Carnival Corporation to deny the rumor that it would be selling two of their premium to luxury cruise lines. Only one day after the cruise line revealed the name of two additional ships that they planned to sell, The rumor launched that Cunard and Seabourn would also be sold. The rumor mill was buzzing that because these two cruise lines attracted an older and well-heeled clientele, their passengers were more apt to cancel for health concerns once cruising resumed.
1: Listener question is from Sally. Email yours to Doug at cruiseradio.net. We are looking for a Port Canaveral hotel with a free shuttle for the cruise port on the beach, or an extremely short walk to the beach, and breakfast included would be awesome, but not a deal breaker. Do you know one that marks all of my boxes?
2: Well, hi, Sally. So um, you're going to have a large selection from which to choose. Almost every hotel in Cocoa Beach or Port Canaveral offers a port shuttle. Prices will vary too, uh, depending on the hotel brand, the type of room, and if you book a parking package or just the room and then decide to pay extra for the shuttle, some hotels will offer an Orlando airport pickup as well as a shuttle to Port Canaveral. Now, if you'd like to be able to walk to the beach in five or 10 minutes, I'd probably recommend staying in a hotel in Cocoa Beach. There's the courtyard in Hampton Inn right on A1A, as well as La Quinta, which is near the Cocoa Beach Pier. There's also um, a Sheraton Four Points um, right in the heart of of everything in Cocoa Beach. Um, Hampton and La Quinta offer a complimentary continental breakfast. Now, if you're traveling with a large family or a group, you might prefer Radisson or Homewood Suites in Port Canaveral. The location is not the greatest because they're not on the beach side of A1A, but they do have you know, the larger suite-type rooms, which may be more to your liking. So whether or not your hotel offers a free shuttle, um, that would depend on the package or the type of room stay that you book. Now, keep in mind that no matter which hotel you choose, whether in Cocoa Beach or Port Canaveral, an Uber or Lyft ride to the port only takes about 10 minutes, and the prices are pretty low, about $10 to $15, depending on the type of vehicle you select. And then about the free breakfasts, keep in mind that when things get back to normal, if you want to call it that, um, continental breakfast, the free ones at hotels may be limited when cruising finally does begin. It may not be, you know, a, the the free for all where you can pick everything, make your own upside down waffles and all of that. So, um, yeah, there's so many to choose from there. And like I said, almost everyone will offer um, ride to the port, not all offer a round trip to the port. So you you might want to check on that too, when you choose your hotel.
1: I stayed out of Wyndham when I went to Disney a couple of weeks ago. I didn't go to Disney World, but I met some friends at one of the resorts for dinner and they don't have the breakfast buffet anymore. They have grab and go. So it's like a brown bag, basically with an orange juice, a muffin and a banana. You get it at the front desk and walk out the door. Like even the whole area is shut down at the moment.
2: Yeah. So even when this, when cruising resumes, which is why I assume you want to go to Port Canaveral unless you're launching your own boat there. Right. Um, yeah. Things things will be different, at least for the next year year and a half. We've been talking
1: with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry.
2: Thanks, Doug.
0: If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device,
1: ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime,
0: straight from Cruise Radio.
1: A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip.
0: Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net.
1: Arnold Donald is the CEO of Carnival Corporation, one of the largest cruise companies in the world, most notably Carnival Cruise Line, but also Princess, Holland America, Seabourn, P&O, Cunard, and Aida. I think I got them all there. He's joining us on the line to answer some questions about the return of the cruise industry, working with the CDC, and of course, retiring cruise ships. Arnold, welcome back to Cruise Radio.
0: Hey, Doug. How are you, buddy?
1: Good, my friend. Thanks for uh, taking a little bit of time to answer some questions for us. I want to start by saying what a great job I thought you did moderating the Health Summit the other day. I know it wasn't specifically cruise-related, but how did the information shared inform your thinking on how things will move forward?
0: Well, Doug, as you know, uh, we've been in dialogue with medical and science experts around the world for several months now. Um, as we try to inform not only how we restart crews with um, guests on board, but we have a number of ships out there right now with crew on board to to man those ships. We've gone to minimum manning. Mm -hmm. And so public health is always in the forefront uh, for us. And so given that, uh, the session that we had, the COVID Science Summit, that I I co-hosted with Gloria, from WTTC, was really just intended to give people the basic what's known today from some of the, you know, brightest medical and science minds in the world. So we could all just level set. So it's an ongoing process. How will it inform us? You know, obviously a few things came out that um, were affirmed, you know, that obviously wearing protective uh, masks um, is very important, washing your hands and, you know, Um, basic hygiene, not touching your face, these very basic kinds of things that everybody can do, you know, can help mitigate, mitigate the spread. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, um, you know, higher level things, you know, such as testing and um, contact tracing and isolation once someone's identified and so on. So all of those things are are being factored in, but, but just be assured and I want the public to be assured of this, that, you know, we're not going to sell, until you know we know that we're acting still in the interest of of public health and so when society is gathering shoreside and um and and they feel they're gathering at levels that society has determined and and those societies vary from country to country That those the societies have determined uh the level of risk they're willing to live with then um then we'll you know be considering cruising but until that's happening in in a consistent uh, way and then you know we'll, we'll continue to refine you know what we will do once we resume
1: obviously there are a lot of people who really want to get out there and get back on cruise ships again you've mentioned in the past that despite everything that's going on carnival corp is seeing good bookings for 2021 are you seeing any particular fleets within the company leading the way from a sales point of view
0: you know as we mentioned um uh, cumulative advanced bookings for the full year remain within the historical ranges that mm-hmm. they've been in pre-COVID years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's occurring with very limited marketing and PR. You know, those are good indicators, um, but obviously, uh, you know, we have a ways to go. I think the most important thing from a cruise industry standpoint is whenever we restart uh, around the world, It'll be on a limited basis initially, mm-hmm. and so uh, there'll be only you know a few shifts with with a few itineraries. And as you point out, there's a lot of pent up demand yeah. for travel period. And so yeah, we we've got you know, uh, some good prospects based on people love to cruise and and they love to socially gather and and when um, it's the right thing to do again, uh, then we'll be ready for
1: it. When you look at future bookings, though, are you seeing any unusual trends?
0: You know, Doug, a number of people asked that question. and know we, we really haven't seen um, big dramatic shifts like in age demographics or, or anything like that. One thing we can say is that, you know, much longer cruises, you know, those, and we said this on, on our earnings call, those are not booking as well as the shorter cruises, so... Mm-hmm. You know, cruises that have to go to a lot of different destinations over 21 days, world cruises, that type of thing, uh, they're a little bit further behind on the booking than they would normally be at this point in time, and that's very understandable because sure. people aren't sure what destinations will be open and available, and so on. Uh, but other than that trend, uh, we haven't seen any dramatic shifts in uh, in the demographics and booking.
1: I know there's probably not a lot you can say, but any indication of where things stand with the CDC right now?
0: The reality is CDC has a role to play and a job to do, and uh, we're working with them um, and and in communication with them. And um, and there's a CDC-like entity in many places around the world. We have to work with them all. Uh, We're working with them effectively in Germany we're working um, with the proper authorities in Italy, and we'll work with the proper authorities here in the US, which includes the CDC. So, you know, we'll see at this point, the nation is still battling with the surge in, in cases of COVID. And and I think we, we have to manage through that, have to get to the point where we all feel, you know, we've mitigated the spread, uh, and then, you know, we can engage in earnest in terms of you know um you know exactly what would be the protocols for resumption of crews. and i'm sure the cdc will be anxious to hear what we have to say and uh and, and will contribute as a industry and as an individual company, to those conversations.
1: Despite how eager people are to get back on ships, one thing that a fair amount of cruisers have been saying is that masks would be a deal-breaker. People simply don't want to equate wearing a mask with a vacation. If the CDC says, hey, people need to wear a mask to cruise, how do you get people to see that it's just sort of the way of life for the time being?
0: Well, I think, again, you always have to look at things for the point in time i think a few weeks ago a few months ago people were uncomfortable with masks but as i go around now i see people are wearing masks and and they're wearing them in restaurants or they're going to restaurants and they're wearing them about town and in office buildings and on elevators etc and and it's just something new and different and we'll see i i think um i, I wouldn't agree with the assertion that that people I'm saying, well, if I have to wear a mask, I'm not going to go on vacation, because again, just like you do in short side society, um, you'll wear the mask in certain situations. If you're outdoor with good social distancing, there's less of a need. Although I would still encourage people to wear the mask. Um, if you're in a restaurant, you know, going in, you wear the mask. If you're walking around and getting close to other people, you wear it. When you're at the table with the group of people you're dining with, you you don't wear because you're, you're going to eat. Yeah. And so. I think, um, you know, just as people are learning to just go about their daily activities, wearing masks when appropriate, um, you know, seeing a similar kind of thing in a city on the sea, like a cruise ship, I'm not sure it would be a showstopper. Sure. And I would just encourage everyone right now, today, you know, wear your masks, wash your hands, um, be tested if, if, if you have access to it, and that way we can mitigate the spread.
1: I want to ask you a couple of questions about pulling ships out of service and selling them. When you're looking to make fleet cuts, how difficult is it from a sentiment standpoint?
0: Well, we love all of our ships, and all of our ships are relevant for the guests. Otherwise, they wouldn't be sailing. But it does come a point in time where the investment required in a ship uh, to keep it relevant for the guests and keep it um, at the high environmental and safety standards that we have. Um, overwhelms that ship's ability to deliver a return. Gotcha. And so we would have had a number of ships that would have been leaving the fleet over time over the next few years. Um, but since we can't sail right now, it doesn't make sense spending the money on those ships now to keep them you know, operational when there are no guests. And then getting to the point where we're going to have to invest substantial capital in them, which is the point at which we would have determined uh, we would have exited those from the fleet anyway. So all we've done is, frankly, accelerated retirement of ships that we're planning. Uh, we were planning to ultimately retire over, over over a short period, a relatively short period of time here. So we've accelerated that to avoid the unnecessary cost mm-hmm. of keeping those ships operational in the short term. And so it is a business decision. But, of course, we love all of our ships and ships. Um, Even as we retire them, you know, they're always fond memories, and there's keepsakes, and um, you notice we reroute names, so there's a lot of attachment to the shifts. But in the end, it has to be relevant for the guests, and it has to give a return for the shareholders.
1: Given all the announcements over the past couple of weeks, can you give us any insight to ships that could be delayed or more ships that might be leaving the fleet? I
0: mean, I have to ask. Uh, The brands put out the updates as they have them, and um, we're excited about our new ships um, coming. Uh, Still very excited. Uh, You know, um, a new namesake for the Carnival brand, uh, the Mardi Gras. As I mentioned, we, we you know reroute names. And so we'll have a, a new Mardi Gras, which was the original ship in the Carnival Fleet. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that ship. Um, one of the features is the roller coaster on top and all that um, on the top deck. But but we're so excited about the new ships because it's, it's always um, rewarding to come up with new ways to deliver to our guests what they resonate with most about a brand. And all the ships are more efficient. Um, they're designed for guest flow to optimize the guest experience uh, that's the prime of that particular brand. And, and so it's always an exciting time. And so we, we delayed a number of the new bills because the shipyards went through the same experience as the rest of society where they had to shut down for a while with shelter in place and stay at home, the workers and so on. Um, but the yards are... Um, uh, slowly getting back up, we'll be taking all of the shifts on, on a different schedule than originally planned. And those schedules will be announced as they're confirmed by the individual brands.
1: Given that every crisis has a teachable moment, what lesson has the cruise industry learned from this shutdown?
0: Well, there are a lot of lessons, but I'll tell you one of the most endearing for me is the incredible outpouring of support, affection, love, for our crew members, our shoreside staff, and for our brands, that our guests have have emoted, um, we have just gotten countless um, emails, letters, text messages, you know, voicemails um, in support of our people and in support of our brands, and and I can't thank our, our guests enough for that. So. Um, It's it's just been an incredible thing, very inspiring and very emotional. Um, At the same time, um, obviously, the industry for years has dealt with uh, viruses. We go to 700 ports around the world a given year, um, and uh, we've had to deal with everything, you know, Zika, Ebola, SARS, MERS, measles, chickenpox, you name it. And so while we have great standards in place, to manage all of that at the same time there's always a new thing and that new thing is different and so you have to first understand it and learn about it which the whole world is doing with Mm COVID-19 uh and then um you have to make the necessary adjustments to be able to live with it uh, with an appropriate level of risk that that society is willing to take and so that learning is a learning that's continuing as we speak and um and, and that's the most important learning right now that, that we need to develop. The What's other learning is um, is that things you never thought you could do, you can do. So we um, had to raise a substantial amount of capital. And uh, we were able to do that with nobody in an office. Uh, none of our people were in an office. None of the bankers were in the office. Uh, the people who actually invested in us weren't in offices. And so we did it all virtually. And um, it's pretty amazing. If someone had said six months prior to the pandemic that you could raise that level of capital um, in a purely virtual way, nobody would have believed it. And uh, and so there's been other things like that. And then the last thing is just the passion and dedication of our people. You know, we had to repatriate over 80,000 crew members in a constantly changing environment where borders were closed or open, closed, open, closed. Airlines, um, were, were shut down. Couldn't use them. Um, you'd have people on a charter ready to fly somewhere. You had gotten approval to go. And while they're sitting on the plane, the, the, the rules change in, in the country you were, you were taking them home to. And so we had to literally take our ships, um, a lot of chartered aircraft, uh, in several months to repatriate, over 80,000 crew members home and the amount of dedication on our people's part, those that were being repatriated, but those supporting repatriating those home It's just been, you know, again, one of the more gratifying experiences uh, that I've had um, throughout my, my career in various industries. It's just been a remarkable thing.
1: Since you run the largest cruise company in the world, what is one thing you would say to someone who might be skeptical to cruise again?
0: first thing i would say is only do what you're comfortable doing having said that be assured that we are not going to fail without um the public health interest in mind look our highest responsibility and therefore our top priorities are compliance protecting the environment and the health safety and well-being of our guests of um, those in the places we go to and of course our family, our carnival family, our shipboard, and shoreside personnel. And so be assured, you know, we're we're not going to do anything knowingly that is not going to serve the interests of public health. Having said that, you have to do what you're comfortable with. We'll have the protocols, look at them uh, when the time comes. And, um, again, our commitment is to make sure that the risks you take is no greater than the risk you would take doing similar activities, shoreside. And if you're not comfortable doing those things, shoreside, then, you know, you you may choose not to cruise as well. But hopefully, to the extent you're comfortable doing, you know, those activities, shoreside, then you'd be very comfortable doing them on a cruise.
1: From a personal level, I have to give it to you, man. I'm sure when you took this job in 2013, you never thought you'd have to cross this bridge.
0: I don't think the world I don't think the world anticipated a global pandemic. Uh, we've all seen it on in movies and whatnot. Yeah. and uh, but the reality of this is is um, something that I don't think anyone could have anticipated. But it is where we are. Mm-hmm. and together, um, if we continue to work together uh, as societies, um, you know we, we will manage through this. and And again, I just want to emphasize to everyone, wear your masks, wash your hands you know keep hand sanitizer handy, but soap and water does the trick and um don't touch your face as often and um so on average we touch our face twenty four hour twenty four times an hour mm-hmm. and you know if you're exposed to lots of people don't don't touch your face that often and just take the basic precautions and then if you're if it's available to you and um affordable you know you know just you know get tested a lot and uh, and in doing so, and if, and if you do find you have it, isolate yourself, obviously. But if we do that, we can mitigate the spread. And, and I think right now that's the prime directive for society. All we've had a number of countries that have been successful in doing just that—that that have mitigated the spread uh, of of the of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we just need to replicate that and make it consistent around the world, and and we'll all be able to once again um, have a great you know quality of life with appropriate social gathering.
1: Well, let's end this on a positive note. What's the first destination you'll personally head to when the world opens back up?
0: <laughs> uh, the first the destination I'll personally head to. Wow. That's a trick question because it depends which destination becomes open True. early. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm a U.S. you know citizen, so technically I can't really even go to Germany to sail on the ship. But I'll be on one of our first ships that I'm able to go on wherever it goes, because I want to experience it firsthand, what it's like for the guests. And I want to experience firsthand to just thank our crew and and, uh, our staff uh, for the remarkable uh, job they are doing and, and that they've done.
1: We've been speaking with Arnold Donald, CEO of Carnival Corporation. Thank you so much for your time, sir.
0: Hey, thank you, Doug. Really appreciate it, buddy.
1: All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. ba 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 da, ba da Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer!